Well, hallelujah. Well, this morning, uh, I want to talk to you guys about worship. I've entitled the message this morning, Unrestrained Worship. And here's the thing. How many of you guys know that worship is an integral part of every believer's life? Amen. It should be. And the, the word worship actually, it's a, it's a mix of two words from the words worth and ship. But the idea is that you're bestowing worth upon something. What it means is, is that you are acknowledging something's worth by what you're doing. So when we worship something, we are acknowledging its worth. And the truth is, is that it's expressed in a lot of different ways. One of the ways that we can express worship to God is by being obedient to his word. That's why Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Because we, we, we acknowledge his worth when we're obedient to him. We are, are acting in worship when we work as unto God instead of unto man. How many know that when you're at your place of work, and you're working unto God instead of unto man, and you're doing an excellent job, you're actually honoring God in how you work. I've always said that, you know, you're not supposed to be able to discriminate against, you know, for religion when you're hiring somebody. I've always thought it should be the case that people would want to know if you're a Christian, because if you're a Christian, you should be one of the best workers. We worship God in our giving. One of the things you'll hear us say often as we're receiving an offering is, is as I tell people, if you are giving out of some sense of obligation or duty, then put your money back in your pocket. You're missing the point. The whole point of us giving unto God is because we are honoring him. Because we're, it's part of our service of worship. And there's always you know, the, the one we all know about, right? We get together at the beginning of church and we all come together to sing. That's an act of worship. Shouting, whistling, playing instruments, lifting of your hands, kneeling, lowering your eyes, raising your eyes. These are all acts of worship. There was a uh, uh, a guy. He was, I think, he was Irish, and it was in uh, the Olympics many, many years ago. Do you know his name, Pastor Joseph? The the he was a Christian, and he ended up not racing. He not running on a on a on a Sunday. Ended up giving up a gold medal. Anybody know his name? Yeah, chariots of fire. Liddell Little. You guys fight about it. I don't know. <laughs> Eric, our good friend Eric. And uh, he, uh, you know, him racing was an act of worship to God. You can worship God in many ways. But you're going to notice something in every way that I've talked about. You're doing something to show it. And today, I want to talk about some of the more expressive parts of worship. That's why I've entitled it Unrestrained Worship. I want to talk about worshiping without restraint. And particularly, I want to encourage all of us to worship in a freely and passionate way when we worship together. I think that worship is meant to be expressive. And I'm not saying there's not a time for quiet, reflective worship. That's also a valid expression of worship. But when we come together... I think it should be expressive. However, I think what happens for a lot of us is we come together and we do this. What if somebody sees me? What if somebody sees me raise my hand? What will they say? What will they think of me? Maybe you guys don't go through that, but I remember the first time I decided to raise my hand and worship. That's what went through my head. Maybe I'm different. 
the reality is we get in our own head. We're so worried about what other people will see and think that we, we just stand here with our arms crossed, with a scowl on our face. Sometimes I look around and I see people, not here other churches, but I look around and I, I see people worshiping with such a sad look. I'm like, man, are, are they mad at God? Or are they, what's going on here? And the truth is, is that our worship team here has worked very, very hard not to get in the way of worship. There's a lot of little things that you don't notice that we do that's supposed to make it easier for you. For instance, they don't use worship stands up here, music stands. One less thing on the stage to be distracting. We dim the lights in here while we worship. It's not because we're trying to be cool. It's not because, I mean, if we want to be cool, we'd bring in some smoke machines. <laughs> but we do it because... The reality is, is when it's a little bit darker out there, most people feel a little bit more comfortable with getting lost in the worship and raising their hands. We have utilized technology and instruments and background, background tracks to help fill the rooms so that, that people can get lost in the worship and quit thinking about themselves or other people but think about God. We limit the amount of songs that are actually sung. Now, you guys don't know this, but the worship team plays every song that you hear on a Sunday morning, probably on average four to five times for your every one. They're probably getting tired of some of it, but you guys are just starting to learn it. So you can, and that's also why we repeat it. We, we want you to be able to close your eyes and sing without having to stare at the screen to read the words. We want this to be a time of worship, not Christian karaoke. Amen. We want you to be able to close your eyes and lose yourself in worship. So the worship team, you don't even see all the stuff that goes into it, but they're doing everything that they can to get out of the way so that you can focus on God. And you'll even notice that more and more we have that time and encouragement for them to just, for you to be able to sing a new song, to be able to worship freely. But most of us are too scared to even take it. But I want to encourage you today. Let go of that restraint. Worship with passion, amen? So let's go ahead and take a look at what the Word says about it. 2 Samuel 6, 1 through 5 says, David again gathered all the chosen men of Israel, 30,000. And David arose and went with all the people who were with him from Baal Judah and bring up from where the ark of God, which is called by the name of the Lord of hosts, who sits enthroned on cherubim. And they carried the ark of God on a new cart and brought it out of the house of Abinadab, which was on the hill. And Usa and uh, Ahio, the sons of Abinadab, were driving the new cart. I have got to start remembering to look up how to pronounce names. <laughs> Every time I do this, because when I read in my head, you don't actually, I don't know if you don't pronounce it in your head or what, but you just read over it and it's fine. But then I try to say it out loud. And, hallelujah. But... Uzzah and this guy, the sons of Abinadad, were driving the new cart with the ark of God, and, and this guy went before the ark, and David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord the songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. Now, David was bringing the ark from Judah to Jerusalem. And the ark, the, the, this is a, a, a powerful representation of God because the ark contained the, the, the Ten Commandments on the stone tablets. A pot of manna, this time I believe it still carried Aaron's staff. Somewhere along the line, Aaron's staff isn't in there anymore, and I don't know what happens to it. But I think at this point it still has Aaron's staff in there. And 
it is, is at this ark is where Moses met with God. You remember Moses met with God, and when he would come out, he would be glowing, and, and because all the people were afraid, he had to cover his face. It was a symbol of his divine presence and glory, and now it was coming home. And during this time, we see some awesome worship take place. I would see some, inc- I would say incredible worship. Pastor Joseph doesn't like when I use the word incredible <laughs> because he thinks, he thinks what, it, what it means is that it's something that, that's impossible to believe. And the thing is, when I say it's incredible, I mean it's, it's hard to believe because it's just not normal. It's extraordinary. I mean, 30,000 people are traveling with, with David and then it says the entire house of of. Uh, uh, Israel begins to worship, and, and then there's all these instruments. All the house of Israel celebrating before the Lord with songs and lyres and harps and tambourines and castanets and cymbals. Now, I think about this. I can't imagine the entire house of Israel was playing together effectively. <laughs> if you think about this, it was probably just loud and noisy and clap, but you know what? It didn't matter because they were worshiping God. Some people are afraid to sing because they're worried about what their voice sounds like. Somebody might look at them. Somebody might stare. Just worship God. God doesn't care about your voice. He cares about your heart. And the truth is, is that every single person here should be with the same eyes focused on God. You shouldn't be focusing on other people. But the entire house of Israel is worshiping. And these aren't quiet instruments either. Now, you, you know anything about being on a worship team, a lot of times when somebody shows up with a tambourine, that starts making you nervous. <laughs> but the truth is, is that, uh, uh, man, it doesn't matter. I mean, these instruments were loud. They were crazy. Me and Jan like to uh, butt heads a little bit because she doesn't like it loud. And I'm like, well, you're going to have to get used to it. In heaven, it's going to be louder than you can imagine. <laughs> and it is because it says it's going to sound like a rushing, roaring <laughs> hallelujah you know that's another thing we do most people it works just not on Jan but we have the music sometimes we have the music just be a little bit because if it's a little bit louder you'll be more comfortable singing and we ain't trying to blow anybody's eardrums out but uh, uh, that's why we do those things but the point is is that they're heading towards this, this symbol of God's divine presence. And they're loud. And they're worshiping with passion and freedom. Amen. These are the examples that we see for us. 2 Samuel six twelve through 15. The story continues and it says, it was told, And it was told King David, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belong to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. And when those who bore the ark of the Lord had gone six steps, he sacrificed an ox and a fattened animal. I wonder how long it took him to get there. <laughs> and David danced before the Lord with all his might. And David was wearing a linen ephod. And so David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the horn. So now David's getting a little crazy. Some say when they, they describe this story that this linen uh, ephod, ephod, how do you pronounce that? Anyway? 
ephod. And this linen ephod, some people say that it's a, uh, 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 like holy underwear, if you will. He stripped down to his underwear. And some people say, no, 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 that's not what the word means. It means that it's, it's some sort of priestly garment. And, uh, you know, everyone has, a, has an explanation for it, and I don't think it really matters, to be honest. The one thing we can take away from it was that uh, these weren't clothes befitting of a king to be out in public in. How do we know this? Because it tipped, it ticked Michael off. You remember that was his wife, and in 2 Samuel 6, 20, says, David returned to bless his household, but when Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to, to meet David and said, how the king of Israel honored himself today and covering himself today before the eyes of the servants, female servants, as one of the vulgar fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Whatever it was, for whatever reason, he shouldn't be wearing this out in public because it's somehow supposed to be embarrassing. And what is David's response? And David said to her, it was before the Lord, this is 2 Samuel 6, 21 through 22, it was before the Lord who chose me above your father and above all his house to appoint me as prince over Israel, the people of the Lord. And I will celebrate before the Lord. I will make myself yet more contemptible than this. And I shall be abased in your eyes. But by the female servants of whom you have spoken, by them I shall be held in armor. Honor. The point is, is that David didn't care what other people thought about him. He was just going to worship God. He said, you know what? I'll look even more ridiculous than this in order to worship my God. You see, some of us have too much going on in our head thinking that we have to be stoic or we have to be reserved or we can't look silly or we can't look, look, look weird or we can't, I mean, and, and we get ahead, what if somebody looks at us or this isn't befitting of who I am? And we have all these ideas in our head that limit what we want to do, how we want to express. But David, I can guarantee you that his position was more regal than anyone that we hold. Amen. And he felt fine to say, listen, I'll be more ridiculous than this. I'm not asking anybody to show up in their underwear. Matter of fact, I'll turn you away if you do. But I would like you to come in and be a little more expressive. Don't be afraid to clap. Don't be afraid to sing, to shout, to whistle. All of those things. Quit thinking about everybody else and think about God. Amen. Romans 12.1 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Paul says, listen, present your bodies before God as a living sacrifice. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says this, For you were bought with a price... So glorify God in your body. Our bodies are part of how we glorify God. And it's, it's been this way since the beginning. We were made for his pleasure. You need to understand that your body was actually made for him, not for you. You just get to borrow it for a bit. Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. And here's the thing. If you think about it, this is how we show worth to many things. You can tell if somebody's being genuine by how they use their bodies. I mean, there's like massive studies on how people use their body to determine uh, how we use our body language. You know, you can tell that if you're talking with somebody, that if they have their arms crossed or if they don't have their arms crossed, that typically it means that they're more standoffish to you or not. 
If you're talking to somebody and they're talking to you like this with their feet facing a different direction, that usually means that they're, 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 they're ready to get away from you. They're, they're done talking. Our body language actually is, is, a, is a huge part of how we communicate. And even, even animals express with their, with their bodies. I mean, have you ever seen a dog that's so excited, wagging its tail, but not just its tail, it's got its butt going back and forth, you think it's going to spin itself around in circles because it's so excited to see it, or it's jumping up and down? The truth is, is that we use our bodies all the time to express how we feel. Have you ever met somebody that's always completely reserved and monotone? It's almost unnatural dealing with people like that. And I think that's the same when we worship God. I would like to see somebody's butt wagging so hard they spin around in their chair at some point. Begin to show your expression, show how you, that's how we're supposed to use our bodies to do that. Instead of being so afraid to do anything. Philippians 1.20 says, <clears throat> as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed. But with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by life or by death. It's powerful words. It says, I will not be ashamed. And if you know the story of the Philippians here, and, and Paul was speaking to the Philippian church regarding his life sharing the gospel. His suffering and his imprisonments. He was talking about how he was using his body for the gospel. And in all this, he said, I would not be ashamed of the gospel. However, I think this is one of the reasons, greatest reasons people hold back regarding worship. And you might say, Pastor Wayne, this isn't talking about worship. You're right, it's not. But I think the principle can be applied to our worship. Because Paul's talking about using his body in whatever way to honor God. But so many of us are ashamed. We're so worried, fear, something gets in and we're afraid. I think it's one of the reasons so many people hold back. And it's one of those things that it's, as a pastor, it's so hard because on one hand, it's like, oh, just get over it. But on the other hand, I remember what it was like for me. I remember the first time that I lifted hands in worship, I was, I was, I was probably a teenager at the time or maybe a young, a, young, uh, a young adult. And I just remember being terrified, and I don't know why, to lift my hands in worship. But we, we get afraid, we're worried what other people will think. And it's not even like we think people are going to make fun of us. Maybe we think, will they think I'm just faking it? Will they think I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not being genuine? There's all kinds of things that can cause us to stand back. We're so worried about what someone might think. I see this a lot when people bring visitors. Because you have somebody come, and they're actually normally pretty expressive in worship. Hands raised, singing loud words. But when they bring somebody, they're standing next to them, and then you just see them the whole time worship. Because heaven forbid, the person they brought with them might think that they're weird. Because they lifted their hands in worship. Or they get worried. Because there are a few people here that will worship with the band, and they don't care who's here. And they what is my friends going to think when they see somebody like that? The truth is, is that I think it, most people are actually looking for people who are genuine. 
you know, you tell them I work, you tell them you love God, you tell them you worship them, and then when they get here and they see you, you're like, are you sure? I mean, everybody else here looks like it, but you, I don't know. People are looking for genuine expressions of worship. You will have more effect impacting somebody's life by being genuine than you will be worried about what they think of you. Don't be ashamed to worship. Don't be ashamed to lift up your hands, to clap, to shout, to yell, to give thanks and praise in your own words. You don't even have to be a poet. Just talk to God. Don't be afraid to sing in tongues. Don't be afraid to honor him with everything that you have. Because it's not about you and it's not about everybody else. It's about him. He is worthy of your worship. Amen. So let's look through the Bible at a, some examples of expressive worship. Expressive? Expressive worship. Job 120. It says, then Job arose and tore his robe and he shaved his head and he fell on the ground and worshiped. Now this is an interesting thing here because this is right in the beginning, but you remember the Chaldeans show up and start attacking him and destroying his servants and his, his livestock and all that stuff. There was another group that I forget the name that was attacking him. All of his kids were, were getting together, partying, having a good time and a storm came through and knocked a building down on all of them. Like everything is a mess. Everything is being taken from him. And his response is to worship. But he, he, he humbles himself. I mean, he tears his clothes. He shaves his head. Aren't you glad that that's not a, a required aspect of expressive worship? I mean, I would be okay with it. But the rest of you guys, some of you guys might be upset. But he, he shaved his head and then he fell on, his, on the ground and he worshiped. Psalm 95.6 it says, O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our God, our maker. Again, we see this idea of kneeling as an expression of worship. He is our creator. He is our savior. And he has expressed so much love for us. How could we not be expressive in return? I mean, what if, what if God and Jesus said, I love you, but he didn't do anything? But he expressed his love for us by going to the cross for us. And we can't kneel down every now and again, raise our hands every now and again, get loud every now and again. Psalm 47, 1 says, Clap your hands, all people. Shout to God with loud songs of joy. Let's not be afraid to clap. You know, one of the things, <laughs> if you've been with us for a long time, we have had some struggles with rhythm in this church from time to time. <laughs> Clapping has always come easy. But you know one thing that I would challenge you guys, because most of the time, if I wasn't out there clapping, nobody else would be clapping. I, I, that's one of the reasons why I come out here and worship. One of my favorite things about not being on the worship team and having to lead that anymore and have people that have stood up is I get to be out here and at least try to set some sort of example of what worship looks like. And that's why I clap. And that's why I clap loud. And that's why sometimes I'm clapping loud by myself. I look around and I'm like, crying out loud. Put your hands together, people. This is God we're worshiping. And it's funny, too, because I'll stop and then everybody stops. It's like, you don't need me to clap. It's not about me. It's about him. Amen? Just clap on 
two and four. That's the only thing you guys got. Not one and three, two and four. That's when the, uh, the snare is usually going, if you're familiar with drums. When the bass drum goes, usually bass drum is on one and three. Don't clap then. That's when white people clap. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> people that actually have rhythm and soul and passion, we clap on two and four. Let's do that. Amen. You guys are distracted me. Knock it off. We're trying to get through some stuff here. Also, I want to encourage you to, 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 to shout sometimes. Sing loudly. Express your love for God. You don't only have to sing the words of the song. And who cares if you can't sing? Nobody here is concerned about your singing. Remember, that's why they call it a sacrifice of praise. Listen, the reality is, is that, that we want to honor God however we can. And I don't care if it sounds like you're beating a cat with a baby. Honor God. Amen? Nobody cares what you sound like. We want to worship Him. See, I don't, I don't watch sports much anymore right now. I, when I was in high school, I, in my four years of high school, I think every sport struck. So that was baseball, hockey, Basketball and football, I think all four of the major sports struck while I was in high school. And uh, uh, I was playing football at the time. Football is the only thing that I miss about high school. And I would have played the rest of my life for free. And these fools are running around upset because they don't make enough millions of dollars to play. It irritated me so much, I just stopped watching sports. But I used to. And uh, my stepdad and myself, we would be watching the game... And, uh, you know, when our team scored, we were, I mean, even at home, we're up on the couch, we're, we're yelling and we're screaming and we're clapping, we're excited. And if you've ever been to a, a live sports game, look out. How come nobody's embarrassed to do that? How come nobody's embarrassed to get up and shout and yell when it's a sports team? A bunch of grown men running around in tights, and we're all excited about clapping and yelling. But when we're asked to, to, to honor our God, to get loud for our God, we all, uh, all want to climb into our shell. Just be thankful I'm not asking you guys to show up in body paint. <laughs> Just be thankful I'm not showing up in body paint. <laughs> Psalm 134.2 says, Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. You know, lifting up your hands is one of the easiest and, and in some ways uh, one of the most expressive ways that you can, you can honor God. And, and the, if you think about it, when we lift up our hands, what we're saying is that we're, we're surrendering. Right? Because what happens when, when a robber comes up to rob somebody? What's one of the first things they say? Stick your hands up. Why? Because it makes you vulnerable. When we put up our hands before God, we are being vulnerable, vulnerable before Him. We are, we are worshiping and honoring Him. And, and this is just a simple instruction of how to mobilize your body to worship and honor God. And here's the practical side of it. You know, Pastor Wayne, I hear what you're saying, but that's just not me. That's just not who I am. But if you think about it in your daily life, you would even see how important it is. Saying I love you to my wife is better than just thinking it, right? We can all agree on that. But it's better still 
more emotionally engaging for both of us if I express that tangibly with a hug and a kiss. Amen? If you guys have been here a while, you know that my wife and I are, are uh, rather affectionate. I don't know how many times I've been told to get a room when I'm just hugging my wife. Well, you know what? I'm going to keep doing it because I want to be an example of what a loving husband looks like to the young men and women who see me. That's why I've always done it in front of my kids because I want them to see what love looks like. And, and that's how you show love. You ever wonder why they call it showing love? Because you have to do something <laughs> to show it. Amen? So if we think about that, it's just as true with God. The next step in worship is to tangibly engage with God physically, to begin to show it with how you use your body. And if this is new to you, and like I said, I understand, I was there once. I was afraid to lift my hands. I was afraid to do all those things. But the first step is to lift your hands. Um... Babe, what's that comedian's name that did the whole bit on? I can't remember his name. Tim Hawkins. You guys know who Tim Hawkins is? I should have brought, I should have put it up on the screen, but he does this whole bit about worshiping in an evangelical church, and he's like, you know, there's, there's ways you can start us, right? You know, first you can just do just a little bit. My fish is this big. You know, then he says, you know, then you can do, well, my, my fish is this big. Or you can carry the big screen TV. <laughs> or you can do the, the dueling light bulbs. You know, he has this whole joke about how we can lift our hand. But the reality is, is just begin to express it. You know, it's funny thing. I think about it. One of the ways that when I'm, I'm, I'm surrendering and offering worship to God, at least how it works in my head is my hands are up. But when I'm receiving, I usually have my hands out. And I don't know if there's any, anything to that. It's just what runs through my head. But lift up your hands to God because that is one of the things we are commanded to lift your hands up. We're commanded to do that. Paul said, I wish that men everywhere would lift up holy hands. This is how we start. And I would just say raise them to the ceiling. Truth is, somehow we think we're going to be judged less if we only do it a little bit. Turn my body so nobody can see me. When we do this, it's a symbol of our openness to God. A symbol of our worship to Him. And the truth is, if you'll just get started... You're going to lift your hands up a little bit one day and you're going to realize that the music just kept going. You didn't hear like that record screech, and everybody turned to look at you as soon as you put your hand up. It's just going to keep on going. <laughs> Nobody cares about you. They care about God. Amen? And that's a good thing. Well, before you know it, you're going to be waving your hands in the air like you just don't care. <laughs> Except this time, you're going to be doing it for Jesus. Amen? In Psalm 61, 1 through 8, it says, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. For you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So I will ever sing praises to your name. 
to your name as I perform vows day after day. First, you start with the lifting of hands. Next, verbalize your thoughts. Worship with words is just prayer. Now, some of you guys may wonder why we start worship on Sundays and they don't ever pray to start worship. And some people wonder, somebody's asked that. And that's something that, that, that I did when I used to lead worship up here. Is, and people would ask me, why is it you do that? Well, because the entire worship set is prayer. We don't have to have a special one to kick off. The whole thing is prayer. That's what worship's about. It's about singing to God and honoring and glorifying Him. Prayer on Sunday mornings, or any time we get together and we have the group up here singing, any time we get together for worship, it's not a concert. We're not here to listen and enjoy the singers up over there. You know, we may do stuff like that. When we have special services and we have special music, that's a time to just enjoy what the singers are doing as they're honoring God. But worship in the morning is not about you watching them. It's about you getting involved. It's not a concert. It's a time for you to lift up your voice to God. We're singing to Him. And to think and silently praise God is one thing. But to express those thoughts and words is another. It's actually pretty amazing when we come together to do it because we are collectively and collaboratively worshiping God and honoring Him. The reality is, is that worshiping God in your mind and worshiping Him out loud, the difference is like when I think in my head that I love my wife or if I say it to her out loud. Telling her not only affirms it for her, but it reinforces and deepens my love for her too. It's part of that process. Worship isn't always actually just for God. It's for you as well. Because it helps strengthen your love for Him. Amen? Psalm 33.1 says, Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous. Praise befits the upright. You noticing a pattern here? All this shouting and yelling and worship. The reality is, is that whatever we should be doing, we should be doing it passionately. I think the Lord is pleased when we are in intense worship, when we're doing it with great passion. And I think that's because love needs to be expressed. I heard of a couple once who went to a marriage counselor and the wife complained that her husband never told her that he loved her. And he snarled and says, I told you that 20 years ago and I haven't taken it back. How, how do you think that relationship was going? Some of us do that with God. I showed you once, wasn't that enough? See, the thing is, is that that isn't enough. Love has to be expressed often and with feeling. A lot of couples fall on kind of sort of a perfunctory relationship, this kind of relationship that is just going through the motions. They go through the motions with a goodbye kiss in the morning, but there's really no passion. And I think too many Christians are like that towards God. We're not expressive with our love. We just go through the lotion, the lotions, the motions. It's a daily routine. They go to church. They come home. 
Maybe they read their Bible a little bit, but there's nothing there. It's like a stale marriage. It's like a peck on the cheek towards the Lord. But the truth is, is that our, our worship needs to have passion behind it. Revelation 3, 15 through 16 says, I know your works, you're either neither cold nor hot. Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. How many know God's not looking for the lukewarm? And it's befitting for us. Shout for joy in the Lord, O you righteous, passionate, expressive, because praise befits the upright. That means it's good for us. That means it's befitting. It's, 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 it's an expectation. It's who we should be. Befit. It's just a fancy word for appropriate. It's appropriate for us. It's what we were designed to do. Amen. Then we're going to have the worship team come up and get ready here. Because what kind of a message would it be? Message would it be talking about worship if I didn't give you an opportunity to worship? Amen. Yes. Psalm 63.1. We're going to end here before we get started. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Why do we worship? Because we need him. He is our everything because he is God. I love this. It says, listen, I seek you because my soul thirsts. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Without God, we are dry and empty. But we worship him because he is everything to us. He has given us everything. We need him and we love him. When I think about what God has done for me, both in my life tangibly and especially through his son, how can I respond in any other way? Amen. So let's resolve to be a people who worship passionately. And let's just take a moment right now. Stand up. Worship expressively. Close your eyes so you don't have to think about anybody else and focus on him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.